Hello and welcome to Just One Cornetto, a podcast discussing all things Greenock Morton. My name is Dean McKinnon and I am your host. Just One Cornetto is brought to you by themortonforum.com. You can reach us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at themortonforum. All our panellists appear in an entirely personal capacity and as such their views are personal to them. This podcast may contain a bit of adult language. Thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. Just One Cornetto Hello and welcome to another episode of Just One Cornetto. Well, it's another newsworthy week for the Ton, who on Wednesday appointed former St Mirren manager Gus McPherson as their manager until the end of the season. He couldn't get off to a winning start and Morton fell 1-0 to Dunfermline at East End Park. Craig Whiten forced an excellent double save from Aidan McAdams from the penalty spot. 22 minutes later, on the brink of half-time, he managed to make amends for that. Scoring, that goal went without reply and the Pars claimed all three points. Joining me to analyse this week's event, we have Louise Rogers. Louise, how are you? Yeah, I'm okay, thank you. Brilliant. And Mr Chris Dodds. Chris, how are you? Not bad, mate, not bad. So, let's talk about the managerial appointment first. I think it's safe to say that it was a, a rather surprise appointment. What did you What did you make of it, Louise? Yeah, I was quite surprised. Obviously, we had the good result on Tuesday night. So you kind of thought, right, hopefully that will build a wee bit of momentum under Anton now and start winning a few more games. But um, yeah, that was quite interesting at half nine on a, a Wednesday night. Morton don't ever tweet at that time. So uh, it was it was quite quite a shock because there was not even any talk or, you know, that when you hear rumours and stuff like that, it literally got tweeted out and everybody was like, right, what, what's just happened here? I think it's a good appointment. Obviously, he's a very experienced manager. Um, he knows this league well. He's he's been to a few Morton games already this season. So obviously, apart from yesterday's result, I'm I'm hoping he will kind of grind out some results for us for the next few games. What about yourself, Chris? What did you make of it? Probably the same as everyone else. I was, I was surprised by it. I mean, um, it did it did come out of the blue. The result on Tuesday night looked as if that the team were turning a corner, and then that's just that's just happened on the Wednesday, which is obviously football's universal day off. So I don't know what's happened between. Tuesday and Wednesday evening for all that to, to be agreed. Um, Anton and the players kept on saying all they needed was one win to change things and I thought Tuesday night could have been the one to do that. So who knows what's going to happen now. But in terms of Gus coming in, you've, his, his record speaks for itself. He's got out of the division with St Mirren. He's done well down at Queen of the South and um, obviously at Queen's Park as well. Got them out of League 2 there. Um, so... If it's just for if it's just for the eight games for this for the rest of this season, then who knows? I think it's a solid appointment. Um, he knows himself that he's not going to change things that much around to 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 make drastic changes in such a short space of time is unrealistic. So it'll be interesting to see how it how it goes between now and the end of the season. So obviously this week as well, David Hopkins was confirmed as the air manager. What do you think, given everything that has happened this week, what do you think the, the future holds for, for Anton McElhone? I don't know what happens with Anton now. I um, think, obviously, I don't know if he'll have a future at Morton. Obviously, he, he, he was a manager for quite a few games. Is he really going to accept kind of going back to being a sports scientist or whatever it is he does? 
I'd quite like to see him kind of stay around about the club because I think he does say good things. He's, he speaks well. All the interviews I've seen him have, I've, I've liked what he said. So I think, I think obviously the players might kind of like to have him still there as well, just have a wee bit of continuity about the club. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he stays or if he, he decides to go. I think it should be noted that Anton's actually came in during such a crucial time in the club's history, but everything going on and at the time as it's happened. And he's actually done a, quite a steady job in the time that he was in. Like, I, I, I put up a tweet about it the other day. It's like, I wanted to say the most crucial time since the Hugh Scott era, where Morton kind of went down the, nearly went down the pan. And he's he's very yeah. much steadied the shit with little money, little experience, and ended with the club sitting sixth on the table. Although the run of games from New Year to Tuesday night there wasn't, wasn't good by any means. It did look as if he was like he's he's done he's done the best that he could with metaphorically tied hands, but what happens with him now I don't know. It's, it'd be a shame to see him go. I think he really enjoyed being at the club. Um, he enjoyed working with the players, and the players enjoyed working under him as well. As far as I was concerned, so no, I hope I hope I hope he gets something sorted out sooner rather than later. But what 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 that is is. Does anyone guess, really? Yeah, I think you guys are right. I think I personally would like to see him stay around the club. However, that is a difficult dynamic to manage, given that he stepped in. I think, as you said, Chris, I think all Morton fans should put a level of gratitude his way because he did. He stepped in when the situation behind the scenes and in terms of the pandemic has been far from ideal, to, to put it very mildly. And for all his lack of experience, maybe did have an impact I think the fact that he was willing and able to to step up when the club really needed someone to steady the ship really can't be understated and whether it is staying at Morton or moving on to to pastures new I think every one of us would would wish him well. Just One Cornetto is brought to you in association with the Inverclyde Boiler Company and the Inverclyde Bathroom Company. Shane and his team offer the very best design, installation, aftercare and customer service and are very proud to serve the Inverclyde community. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram or call them on 01475 503304. So another bit of midweek news that came out just as we were preparing to face in Fermlin, Morton signed Stephen McGinn on loan from Hibs for the rest of the season. We'll go to you first with this one, Louise. What did you make of the signing? Happy about it, yeah. He's, he's finally seen the light and came to the good side of the Benfordshire club. So, I mean, it was only going to be a matter of time before he made the, the switch over to us, but um, it's, uh, it's a good signing. I, I think it was needed. Obviously, when, when we found out that, that Jacobs was going to be injured for this weekend and you kind of looked at what we had that would have potentially stepped in, I think obviously Gus has is, is kind of um, had a look around to try and find someone in showed up the midfield so I'm quite happy with it and I'm quite interested to see how it goes going forward obviously with um, Jacobs and Lyon, McGinn and Colville all fighting it out for the, the centre mid position so I think it's good and obviously he's been captain before at, at that club so he, he's he's got plenty of experience and, <laughs> and hopefully he'll kind of rub off on the other, the other players with it. What sort of attributes do you think he can add then Chris? Uh, obviously experience to a young midfield um, you look at the average age of the three that were sitting in front of him, or the four that were sitting in front of him, it's, it's Nizzy who's what, 23, Reese 21, Guff's 22, 23, and then Luca's only just turned 22 as well. So you add in him at 
Celtic's got 10 years senior on them, then you're looking, it's a win-win all round. I thought yesterday he added a bit of composure on the ball when he had it, considering it was his first 90 minutes since the middle of December as well. I thought, despite maybe looking a wee bit rusty at stages, he strolled through the game. Um, and going forward, I think he'll be a worthy addition to the side. And obviously, linking up with Gus McPherson again is something that he was really looking forward to do. Um, and I think that was the uh, resounding factor in what made him come to Capital. Yeah, I think you guys are, are spot on with that. I think he does add just that, he adds that depth in midfield and that quality depth that we really don't have at the moment. I think we've said a few times on the podcast, up until McGinn signed, I thought Colwell, Jacobs and Lyon was our preferred midfield three. And then I think there is a major gulf between those three and the other rotational options in there. So having McGinn in there, it also gives us a little bit more flexibility. Should McPherson fancy changing the system, you know, we can then look towards even a, a midfield four, you know, a diamond in midfield. It, do, it gives us a range of options tactically as well. And yeah, I think it's it's going to be a an excellent an excellent signing come the end of the season. So moving on to the game then, obviously you you mentioned a, a wee bit or two about McGinn's influence on in the game yesterday. What did you make of the game overall, Louise? To start with, obviously when the team came out, it's probably the better the best team we could have fielded, obviously with the injuries that we've got and the kind of backups we've got. So I kinda of went into the game quite confident. I was I was happy with the starting eleven. Um I actually thought we weren't that bad. I thought we were actually, right up until they scored, I thought the defence actually looked okay, the way we were set up, and we were winning a lot of headers, battering them away. Um, but it's, it's just up front. It's We're just, I, I, re- I still don't know who's going to throw the goals to keep us up. Um, I mean, you look at the starting lineup. you had up front kind of attacking options, Colville, Nesbitt, Sterling, McGuffey. McGuffey was, not anonymous yesterday, but he wasn't as influential as he's been in previous games. Um, so I don't think Sterling was getting that much support yesterday by what was behind him. Again, Nesbitt, I know he scored on Tuesday night, but he's, he's still just not doing it for me right now. I still think he needs to have a kind of stint on the bench just now. The midfield was a lot better, obviously. I thought McGinn was good. He, he did have a poor touch for, for Dunfermline's goal. But other than that, I, I, thought, he, I thought the midfield was fine. Yes, I I just feel frustrated with yesterday because I feel if we had a kind of killer instinct up top, I, I think it would be so much different. Is that Bob McHugh you're talking about? Potentially, what? who you're missing? Bob Bob McHugh maybe that you're missing? Oh front. yeah, Bob. Well, yeah. Because at least he actually scored more than 10 goals sometimes in a season. I don't think the issue necessarily was Sterling yesterday. I think it was the way that we set up and given how aggressively we pressed the ball when we didn't have possession, there was the kind of inevitable fall-off where we kind of lacked, the midfield lacked the legs to really get up and support Sterling as much as we could have, and I think he was isolated for large parts of the game as a result. But again, that'll, as McPherson gets to know this squad of players, that'll come, and Obviously, the, the next test is to, to make sure that next week against Queen of the South that we are getting the supply and the support up to Sterling to make sure that we do pose an attacking threat. What did you make of the game overall, Chris? I thought in midfield, Morton were actually quite decent in possession for a change. Um, and that when Dunfermline were setting up from a goal kick, 
they let them go and sit deep to them, play out from the back and then press them quite high. And they pressed them up quite well and it forced them into errors quite a bit as well. I thought that Fjordov maybe didn't have the best of games. Whether that was just because of coming back in and out for the cold on Tuesday to then play 90 minutes on Tuesday night and then play 90 again today, just yesterday, sorry. Um, whether that was an issue or, or what, um, I think lacking a natural left back as well at the moment is going to be harming the team. Because um, you seen it yesterday in the second half, McGinty saw, um, saw the red mist and tried to take out Scott Banks and it nearly very much caused uh, Whiten to play in Fraser Murray yep. and, and score. Only Fraser Murray made an absolute hash yet. So I think once you play yep. somebody who's more suited to play in the left back role, and then again, like Louise said, the, the killer instinct up top, which is missing so badly. Um, whether Kaz gets a goal and then for there it just kind of he scores a barrel load, I don't know. But yeah, missing somebody like Bob McKee up front, who was your 10 goal season striker, and he's now. Evidently being missed, despite people saying, "Oh, actually, maybe he wasn't as good as we thought he was. He was only he was this, he was that. He could only do this." It's the type of striker that you're missing in these situations. Yeah, I think Bob McHugh always had the killer instinct and always had the poacher's ability. I don't think, I think pound for pound inside the penalty box, I don't think there are many better finishers at this level. There's probably better all-round strikers, but I also think McHugh developed facets in his game. You know, his build-up play, his link-up play. I think he arrived at us as a quite one-dimensional poacher. And I think he left us as a more rounded striker. But again, these things happen. And where we are in the food chain, part-time football, especially at bank road clubs like Queen's Park, it is going to play a part in it. And as much as we don't like to see players drop down the leagues, there is a there is a a level of inevitability about it. I think the point that you touched on there about the defence, I think it really underpinned the fact of just how important Lewis Strap is to this team because we don't have any cover for him whatsoever. I thought McGinty, there's obviously mitigation to be offered in that he isn't a left-back, but some of his positioning was really reckless and really dangerous yesterday. If you are a, a centre-back being utilised at full-back, your starting position should be 10 or 15 yards deeper than McGinty's was yesterday. I would have been quite happy for him to sit, know his limitations, don't try and play as this flying wing-back, just keep it simple, keep it basic. If we can't attack very well down the left-hand side as a result of that, that's absolutely fine and that's something that we need to deal with. But I thought... McGinty was shaky yesterday, that rubbed off on Fijotov. Fijotov was poor yesterday, which again had an influence on McGinty, and you could see from the off that Stevie Crawford targeted, targeted our left-hand side, and they got their just rewards from it. We'll go to you just now, Louise, just to round off talking about the game. Do you think it was a, a fair result yesterday? Yeah, I think it was a fair result, because, again, we didn't have a shot on target the whole game. I, I kind of looked back, and I think we had one header on target and that was it we don't what I have noticed the last few games is we don't shoot from outside the box we try and play in the box and there's nobody there that scores the goals we don't have a poacher where you can just cross it in and there's going to be somebody there who's going to put it in net um, so I think Dunfermline deserved to win yesterday but I don't think they were great either I, I thought they were quite poor yesterday 
Um, I thought the defending for the goal was poor, and and when you defend like that for the goal, get a free header. There's kind of no way, no way going back. Also, what they had as well when McAdams gave away that penalty. I mean, that was pretty scary to watch because uh, you just kind of thought, oh my god, he's going to get sent off, and they have nobody on the bench again. Still no goalie on the bench. So, but yeah, he, he redeemed himself. He'd done the double save, and he'd done. Cracking. I think it was another double save actually towards the end of the second half as well when McGinty was away far up the park, totally out of position. So, yeah, I yeah. think it probably was a fair result. I, I don't think we would have deserved points yesterday. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was a fair, fair result. I think McAdams probably stopped it being more at times. Um, there was a lot of pressure. Like, well, I mean, you could have been one 0 down inside two minutes yesterday, but he's managed to somehow claw that effort for. I think it was either Fraser Murray or Dom Thomas out the top left corner. Brilliantly. Um, yeah, great save. Brilliant save. Then the penalty, it looked as if he could get there first. Um, not a lot has been said about the pass through from Scott Banks, or for Scott Banks, sorry. Oh, it's a cracking ball through, brilliant, yeah. Brilliant ball through for Scott Banks to run onto. Um, yeah, ultimately wiped him out and he's made up for it. And the second save to the, the double save was, was brilliant, by the way. Like, he's on the ground one minute and the next minute he's managed to stick his hand up and bury put it onto the bar. I don't know how he's done it, but he somehow has. I think it was one of those games where, although it was 1-0 to Dunfermline, Dunfermline were actually probably in control of the game for a lot more than what you think. Like it, was a, it, was yeah. a, it was a convincing 1-0 because, yeah. like, we said, like we've said, like Morton had, what, four chances a full game. Two of them were headers that were easy saves. Kaz Sterling's had two, and then, oh, sorry, five. Nizzy's had one as well. So, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's that... It's that fight. It's those fine margins. Like Dunfermline weren't the greatest of teams, but they controlled the game, and it's, it keeps on coming back to what I said to Dean when I had that interview with him way back at the start of the when he started the podcast. That Campbell said to me that the, the difference between the teams in this division is like a, a, a coat of paint. It's that thin. It's yep. so it's just so tight and so competitive, and I don't know if the if COVID's had a, had a big enough impact on that. That if this recruitment has been that shoddy, that the actual standard of the championship itself isn't. A, isn't as good as what it was, type thing. I don't know how you feel about that because I've, I've obviously not paid that much attention to the championship in years gone by as compared to the last 18 months. Yeah, I think the last couple of years, the and it, sound, it does sound quite harsh, the championship is not ever going to be a place where you get game upon game of silky entertaining football. You know, it's... The championship as a form of entertainment, no, it's. I don't think it's going to be there. But I think the championship does offer a lot in terms of real exciting football. And you look at just how tight it is. We're in a situation where between now and the end of the season, every single result has ramifications for every single team in the league, which is brilliant, you know. One thing that the championship does offer, and it is an old Jardin cliche, it is fiercely competitive. And I think that does make for a really entertaining league, even if the quality isn't sometimes there. Yeah, because you look how tight the league is this year, and probably COVID is playing a massive part in it, but you, you just can't call who's going to finish in promotion playoffs, relegation playoffs, bottom. Obviously, hearts are, are flying, they're probably going to win the league. But other than that, from from second to tenth, you just don't know who's going to finish where. It's it's an exciting league that way because every week there's results that happen. And like yesterday, for example, Alloa beating Queen of the South, which I wasn't expecting. 
so you do get these these results that happen and you think well wow wasn't expecting that and it'll be the same next weekend as well there'll probably be some shock results as well and that result seen Queen's fall at the playoffs as well they were sitting in second last week weren't they not yeah that's, well that's even just <laughs> the fact that there's 12 points between third and tenth between the second promotion playoff and relegation is unbelievable that's and it does i think i think it makes the championship quite a unique league and that if one team between now and the end of the season can go on a little run of two, three, four wins, they could go from being, you know, even a broth. If a broth can win four games, say, out of the last seven, they could sneak into fourth. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Like, you just, even Aloha could go on a run, and then it could, it could be curtains for a couple of teams. Like, because some teams don't look as if they can buy a win at the minute. Like, it's just so, so, so tight, so, so strange. But another news, Ross McKeever's making his debut for Party Thistle today. And he's still listed on the Morton website. Aye. <laughs> uh, him and Josh McPeak are the players that are going to drag us out of this relegation scrap. <laughs> just One Cornetto is brought to you in association with Denotter Replica Football Shirts, who specialise in classic Morton shirts from years gone by, including their new release, the white match winner away shirt from 1989. They are currently running a special 20% discount for all repeat customers until the end of the current season. To claim this discount, simply tag Donotter in a tweet wearing any of their shirts. To view their full catalogue, please visit their website, www.donotter.scot. Alright guys, thank you very much for that. Looking elsewhere in the division, Inverness and Wraith played out a 0-0 stalemate in the Highlands on Friday night. Dundee beat Arbroath 2-0 thanks to two second half goals. Same as Hearts, they beat Air 2-0 at Tynecastle. Teehee. <laughs> and it was goals galore at Palmerston as, Queen of the, as Aloha beat Queen of the South. Queen of the South were 1-0 and 2-1 up. They found themselves going down to nine men. Aloha grabbed a winner late in the second half and former Morton defender Andy Graham missed a penalty for the bottom side. Looking towards the championship table, Hearts remain top on 45 points. Dunfermline's win against us yesterday takes them up to second on 30. They've got two games in hand over Hearts. Wraith are now on third on 29. Dundee on fourth on 27. Queen of the South slip out of the playoff race. They're into fifth, 27 points, playing two games more than Dundee. Morton trail them on 22 points in sixth. Inverness seventh on 21. Aaron eighth on 21. Are both in ninth on 21. And Alloa's win closes the gap, they now sit on 17. So, looking towards next Saturday, guys, Queen of the South at Capolo, it's another massive game. We'll go to you first, Louise. How would you line up and how do you see the game going? So, I've actually got a line-up in my head and I'm just going to say it out because I, I quite like it and I'd actually quite like to see this being the team going forward, okay? So, obviously, we've got McAdams in goal because, I mean, we've got nobody else to play in goal anyways. Um, I'd have my back four of Ledger, Fjortoft, McLean and Strap. The Strap's back from injury. I would have yep. my midfield three of Jacobs, Lyon and McGinn. I would have yep. Colville and McGuffey supporting Sterling. I, I, I still think I, I think Nesbitt needs to go on the bench and, and I know he scored on Tuesday but he's, I, I watched him yesterday and I'm, I'm just, I'm still not buying it. So I would go with Colville and McGuffey behind Sterling. I, I'd quite like to see that kind of midfield five with Jacobs, Lyon and we get them to in front and 
for a prediction, it's hard because obviously that overlay got sent off for Queen of the South yesterday, so that's a bonus for us because he scored quite a few goals for them. So it, it could go either way. It, it's got to be a win. I, I don't think draws are enough at this stage. I, I think we really need to go out and get a few points. So I'm going to say a 1-0 win tomorrow. That's what I'm going to say. What about yourself, Chris? Yeah, change. Obviously, I know Louise has just said there that if Jacobs is back, then obviously play him. Um, if he's if, if the injury is as bad as we think it is, then we might be a couple of weeks still we see him back. So stick with the same midfield. I think if Strappy's back, obviously I think he goes in to the to the left back position. Um, yeah. Your centre back pairing, I think, needs to be McLean and McGinty. I think uh, I didn't really enjoy saying that, but I think that's what it needs to be. Um, and then up front. So your midfield, sorry, is McGinn, Lyon, Nesbitt, Fiotto. No, Fiotto, what am I talking about, man? Ah. Well, right, midfield is Jacobs, Lyon. No, that's that's well, absolutely that's, staying that's, in. That's two, that's two mistakes I've made. Back to back, so shit, Jake, wasn't going to be back, and I put him in. Uh, <laughs> McGinn, Lahin, Koval with Nesbitt as well. Maybe drop Guff. I think Guff's better off coming off the bench, and then go Oliver Stellan up front because Queens go four four two. So you just need to match him. And obviously McKay, uh, McCabe, and Obli have been sent off last week. As, oh, sorry, yesterday is huge. Like, yeah, and they're two so crucial. There's two crucial players for them. It's also worth bearing in mind that Mabudi has been cited by the SFE and for the COVID breach with the the Rangers players at the poker night. So you are looking at a possible situation where Queen of the South are missing pretty much the spine of their team. I would like to see us line up with something something towards a four four two with a diamond in midfield. I think the back four that you picked, Louise, is the way that I would go. I think Fyotov. I think for all Fyotov has been poor, McGinty hasn't been fantastic this season. There has been long spells where McGinty has given away numerous goals. I think back the last four or five games, I think he's he's contributed to us conceding a fair few goals. I don't think dropping him out the side is going to harm us defensively at all. So I would I would go McLean and Fyotov, Strap and Ledger at fullbacks, either McGinn or Jacobs sitting at the base, then the other one along with Lyon in midfield. You can then either go with Koval supporting, Koval playing as the the top end of the diamond, or you can look at McGuffey, you can look at Nesbitt. I would go with Koval. You then look at, I would go with Oliver and Sterling as your, your, two, mid, your two attackers. I think that solves a few issues in that we're going to get bodies in and around Sterling to, to see the best of him. You would like to think that the midfield three the midfield three at the base of the, the diamond, if you like, I think that gives us that rigid defensive ability as well to to hang in games and yeah, that would that would be the way I would go. Moving on from there guys, something that I wanted to ask you, we're now getting towards the end of the season. I know there's some some pretty big games to to be played yet. Do you have any early thoughts or recommendations for player of the year? It's probably one or two for me. I, I think it's either got to be McAdams or Jacobs. There's not really anybody else that's 
jumped out at me that would really get the reward because there's been a lot of players in and out the team. Otherwise, McAdams. Well, I suppose Ledger. We put Ledger in there. I think he's had a pretty solid. Season. He goes about his job quite quietly. So I think either McAdams, Jacobs, or Ledger would be kind of more worthy of getting the player of the season just for their consistent performances through the whole season. I think it's got to be McAdams. Like he's came in as a total. He's came in as a essentially a novice. Not played a lot of men's football. And he's come in, and to be fair to him, although he's only, although he's been the only keeper at the club for six months, he's stepped up when it's mattered. Like, just look at the Hearts game at Tynecastle, twenty six shots, and he was equal yeah. to eighty yeah. percent of them. If they weren't going wide or over or whatever, fifty p Popescu was doing with the ball, man. Like, <laughs> you you look at him in the games that really like Matt. He's only really, McAdams has only really let his sell down in one game this season. I think that was Aloha. Where yeah. it was the, the the one each game at New Year. That's that's all I think he's let his sell down on. And for a twenty year old coming in from a, essentially a an academy bubble of where he'd have been looked after and and stuff like that to coming to what quite frankly has been a mess of a season at Morton to to perform the way that he has. I think he's 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 gonna what he should win it by a country mile. Um, Jacobs maybe second because of. Um, when he has been in and played, because remember at the start of the season he wasn't getting played. I think he came yep. out at Wraith and struggled, and then came out went out the team again for a couple of weeks. Um, and then since he's came back in and been a hundred percent, he's been he's been at it. But I think uh, what well, this has got to be Jacobs, not Jacobs. It's got to be it's got to be McAdams. Sorry, it's got to be McAdams. I think the the three that you nominated, Louise, those are the three that jumped to mind immediately. I think what you said about Jacobs, Chris, is absolutely spot on. Jacobs is, I said it on the last pod, I think Jacobs is probably the best player at the club, but when you look at what players have contributed consistently over the course of the season, I think Ledger's been fantastic at fullback in that he is solid 7 out of 10 every week, good defensively, distribution's okay. I think he was another guy that didn't come into the club this season with a lot behind him. For all, he'd moved about a little bit. He hadn't played a great deal of football. And I think we've we've done well and we've got a good service out of him. As we've touched on, Jacobs, for my money anyway, he is the best player at the club, but he hasn't featured enough this season. And yeah, I would I would have to go for, for McAdams. I think obviously with McAdams being only 20 and over the season coming to the end we don't know what division we're going to be in next. I think it's imperative that we offer these contracts to these types of players and just even have it on the table. Let them think about it to the end of the season but I think we've really got to make an effort now to try and keep a hold of these players for next season build on them basically. I'm open to correction on this. I My understanding of the rules is that we have to offer equal or better terms to its under 23s you've got to offer either better or equal terms on a new deal it has to be offered 60 days before their deal expires meaning that whether they move either domestically or internationally we are due to com- we are due compensation i think we should be doing that with all of the under 23s that have played consistently this season so that would be what McAdams, Colville, who else? Ninety percent of the squad. 
So yeah, that that's my understanding of the rules. Obviously, we have had our fingers burned previously under Warren Hawke, where we had Kutongo, Tiffany, and someone else whose name escapes me at the moment leave for nothing or leave for minimal compensation. So hopefully the club are, are working on that. So just before we leave, guys, give us your score predictions for next week. Well, I don't think we're going to win like 4-0 in these games. So I think if we're going to win a game, it will be like 1-0. So that's that's what I'm going to stick with. It's a, a 1-0 scrappy goal I, I'll take, or an OG. I would take an OG 1-0 win. What about yourself, Chris? I'm going to say 2-1. I don't know who follow. Um, just the way things are going at the minute, it's just so unpredictable. I don't want to put my neck in the line and come back to get it biting me in the arse again because I've made a lot of workups in this podcast. <laughs> Tell you what, guys, we will leave it there. So that is us for another week. Louise, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Chris, pleasure as ever. Anytime, my man, thank you. Well, that's the show, folks. Remember to check out themortonforum.com for the latest Morton news, discussion and articles featuring the excellent match photography of GBR photographs. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and we'd love to hear your feedback or questions on any of our social platforms at the Morton Forum. Mm-hmm.